I think the thing that CPAs don't see that they don't realize is that their competition is not the firm next door. It's not the firm across the country. It's a technology company that's coming in with a different way of doing business and an Amazon-like way, we'll call it. And they are bringing in new tools and new technologies to serve customers better. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy never normal shift going on all around us. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of people, business, and technology. Here is your host, Ira Wolf. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. I'm Ira Wolf. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. This is the voice of the most important conversations on the future of work confronting business leaders and people today. My goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of business, technology, and people. On today's show, we're going to take another leap into the future. But I've got to admit that leap is becoming more of a very, very small step as the world seems to keep spinning faster and faster. Just weeks before tax day in the United States, accounting might seem to many people like it is one of those industries or professions that is somewhat immune to the whirlwind of change affecting most of us. But if that is even a remote thought, then you don't even want to think about going anywhere because today we have Jody Paydar, the Radical CPA, and Bill Keller, President of Global Staffing, ready to tell you what's ahead in the world of accounting and finance. Like most industries, accounting is gearing up for a transformation. Remember when HR, H&R Block and then more recently TurboTax were disruptive innovations in the accounting space? Well, thanks to blockchain, AI, and predictive analytics, you haven't seen anything yet. Before I invite Jody and Bill to the stage, just a reminder, in addition to broadcasting live today on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, you can also watch us live on or listen to us live on W4CY and watch us on Talk4 TV. We now reach a potential audience of almost 2 million people on all the platforms that we're on. To watch us each week on W4CY, it's really easy. Simply download the W4CY app on your phones or tablets. So if you can't watch and listen live, no worries, because the video replays are available on all these platforms, as well as Roku, Apple, Spotify, and dozens of other podcast platforms. So now it's time for the perfect labor storm. This is the segment each week when I get to point out a disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that I believe you should know. With anticipation, many of us who follow workforce and labor trends geek out when LinkedIn releases its annual most in-demand skills. So as expected, there's a lot of buzz around this year's just released report. No surprise to anyone, people skills and people-to-people collaboration continue to gain importance after decades of lip service. I've been in the workforce and in business for over four decades, and I can't even remember a time when we weren't talking about communication and team building as necessary elements of a good business strategy. 
So what's going to make 2024 any different? Well, it seems that executives finally got the hint. Nine out of 10 global executives agree that soft skills, aka human or durable skills, are more important than ever. So it's not surprising that communication ranks number one on the 2024 list of overall most in-demand skills. But now I'm going to read, going to read this next part directly from the report, which is the part that has me and a lot of my colleagues excited. Since AI has changed work so profoundly over the last year, we, and that's LinkedIn speaking, we also are highlighting the top skill of the moment with the most notable surge in year over year demand, and that's adaptability. You hear about me talk about it all day long, every week, every, every month, every year. It's the indispensable skill that allows teams and organizations to keep growing at the rate of change. Since 2015, skills for roles have on average changed by 20, 25%. You can see how excited I am. Um, by, 2020, by 2030, it's expected that number will reach at least 65%. So we're going to more than double the, num the number of skills that are going to change that people are going to be required to learn. That's in line with the forecast I've been sharing for at least a decade. Two-thirds of all jobs will be at least one-third automated. That means for LinkedIn members, and which have over a billion people, more than 500 million people who are currently on LinkedIn hold jobs that stand to be disrupted or augmented by AI. Some of those people work in accounting and finance, which is why I'm so excited to have Jody and Bill here today joining me. Jody Paydar is a CPA. She's also known as the radical CPA. And she's one of the most, one of the of accounting profession's foremost visionaries and pioneers. She's a well-known advocate for tech adoption and general forward-thinking behavior inside the profession. And she's been consistently named one of the top 100 most influential to the profession by accounting today. She's the author of Radical Pricing, which will be published in early 2024, as well as the author of two other books, From Success to Significance and The Radical CPA, New Rules for the Future Ready Firm. Bill's entrepreneurial journey started uh, when he was just a young man when I first met him with him and his dad in business. Um, he's evolved from leading manufacturing businesses to founding Staffing Global. He's a pioneer in remote staffing, influenced by biz key business thinkers. He adeptly, he adeptly combines his manufacturing background with innovative remote team strategies, emphasizing employee development and empowerment. So let's give Jody and Bill a big Googleization Nation welcome. Hey, welcome, Judy. Welcome, Bill. Good to see you both. It's great to be Excited on the show. Excited to be here. So I I think I shared this with both of you, but I'll share it with the, the team here, and this will be the setup for uh, where we're headed with questions uh, and, and conversation. Uh, about somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago, I don't remember the, the exact date, but I was working with a regional accounting firm, and they were going through a, a, su a successor uh, transition. So like many other 
organizations. They were recognizing that their baby boomers were baby boomers managing partners or heads of their organizations were, were aging and they were about to leave or their or their terms expired. And they wanted to bring in and groom some new young people. And so part of that was not just identifying who was most prepared to lead the organization then, but who was going to be uh, prepared to lead the organization in the future, who, who basically had that forward thinking mindset. And so that was my responsibility to identify who, 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 who they can groom and who should be in position. Easy job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When there was a lot of people that were there at the same time, so they all thought they tenure was you know the, the number of years longevity in the firm uh, positioned them to be ripe for that. So we had to do it. So it was a delicate dance. Uh, so one of the questions that I had was, where do you see accounting in five to ten years? And of course, I, in my background, I wasn't necessarily looking, thinking that AI would be there in five to ten years, since this was ten or fifteen years ago. But I was looking. I, I knew there was there was transformation at the time. Uh, just uh, about the same time, Thomas F Tom Friedman wrote "The World Is Flat," and which I think was twenty years ago. But he talked about how a lot of firms would be outsourcing, which is you know we'll talk about Bill, you know about having people around the world do the accounting work. And they said there's no way. Bill and I at that time lived in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania with the Amish and the Mennonite and conservative country. And it's like, there's no way anybody would trust anyone doing our taxes and our accounting work and our bookkeeping uh, in a, you know, we, we want you to do it. <laughs> you know, we expect you to do it or somebody that you employ. There's no, we don't trust this stuff in the cloud. What's going to happen? We're going to leave you. Well, here we are in 2024. <laughs> so, uh and um, you know, I they they've certainly advanced, and I know they do have people that they're they're using in 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 India and and other places around the world. But that's the setup. I mean, things happened pretty quickly, and people who said, "Not in my backyard," that will never happen to my my industry, my profession, not in my business. Um, also found that's how do you stay competitive? How do you grow? Uh, and it's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, so, Jody, let's start with you. Um, Briefly, I think I we we got your bio right, but briefly, what do you do, and you know how are you working with some of the clients? What are some of the biggest challenges that you see uh, with in the in the accounting world, and probably transferring that over to the business world as well? So, so I'm an industry innovator. So it's funny that you talk about that story about 15 years ago because that's when I was actively in my practice innovating. And that's how I became the radical CPA, because the things that I was doing, we talk about the cloud then, like today, everyone talks about the cloud, like it was a, like, it's no big deal. But back then it was a big deal. People didn't want to do the cloud. Right. And that was like when I kind of, um, first my firm and that's how I got known as the radical CPA. So the business model that, uh, new innovative firms do today, that was the firm that I was pioneering back then, right? Fast forward, I've sold my firm um, and gained hundreds of thousands of followers along the way because people want to know these new ways of thinking. Even accountants, even though they, they might not want to change exactly, they want to know about it, right? So they, they follow me to find out kind of what's going on in the world, how things are changing with AI. 
And then fast forward, I'm working with a startup called April and we're developing tax software to compete with TurboTax and we deliver our software through fintechs. So TurboTax is going to have a little competition, which is good because tax software hasn't changed in the last 30 years. So it's exciting to kind of see the evolution of change happening. But I think realistically, when we look at the whole landscape of the accounting profession, it's been changing for a long time. And the pandemic pushed it even faster, which is good. And now, like, I think accountants are ready, a little bit more ready for the changes than they were in the past. But they have to be ready because AI is coming. And, you know, there's so many things that accountants have to adapt to, to the new way of working. And, and that's for everybody. It's not just the accounting profession. It's all the professions as a whole. But to me, it's exciting and it's a new opportunity. And there's lots to do and to pioneer moving forward. So, so Bill, you, you went from manufacturing log cabins to this, to, to staffing global. We're, talk a little bit about your transition where you saw the opportunity and uh, and especially you know that 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 that's almost as as radical as me going from dentistry to what I did you know to, to talking about leadership and business and and HR. So uh, talk a little bit about your journey and how you got here and what you're seeing. Well, I was in a very physical world, like you said, built log homes, log cabins, had a manufacturing facility, and uh, did that at a very young age and quickly found out what I didn't know. Because when you're young, you think, hey, I know everything, and quickly got into this and you know, thought everybody else was the problem, and then quickly figured out that I was the problem. And uh, so that started my like personal growth journey. And so while this is a pretty radical change from you know the physical world of log cabins, uh, I was always into reading and growing. And one of the books that you mentioned, The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman was influential along with another book, uh, The Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And so, you know, I grew up in a really small place. I didn't have a lot of, you know, references, reference groups that would expand my horizons, but I was always on the lookout, but I just didn't have those reference groups. And these books kind of opened up my world. Uh, you know, when Tim Ferriss talked about outsourcing to India and I'm like, wow, if you could do that, you know, what else could you do? And it was always good at once I had the idea of being able to modify that and put that into different contexts and then being able to change that idea and use it in different ways. And so that started my journey. Basically, I actually, uh, still own a marketing company where I leverage those overseas resources um, to run my marketing company and so that I could do it anywhere in the world. This is like Jody was talking about 15 years ago when remote was kind of radical. I was running my business from Costa Rica for three months or Florida for a couple months out of the year and people were going, how are you doing that? And I'm like, hey, I use overseas resources. You do it too. And, you know, I tell them how to do it. And they'd kind of look at me like, eh, I'm not going to do that. You know, you could. And I tell everybody what we do is not difficult or is, it, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. And so I tell them, hey, here's the resources. You can go to uh, up, up, you know, Fiverr or you could go to Upwork or Elance at the time. And here's how you do it but none of them would really do it. But they needed somebody to kind of guide them through that process. And that's really what I did. And I tried to, I, I saw that there was some challenges with those uh, platforms. And then my job was to overcome those and to see how I could use a book like The Innovator Sol uh, Solution and Innovator's Dilemma to get greater integration, even though we were 10,000 miles apart. And what would it take to get that greater integration so we could get greater performance from remote teams? And so that's really my job is to kind of find out what's missing. You know, what are the, the cultural things that 
both sides of the pond need to know about how do we bring them together and you know how do we get the greatest amount of performance and then serve the needs of basically four parties and when i'm looking at this relationship i'm trying to see how do i serve my client which is oftentimes a cpa firm how do i serve my clients employees you know we don't want this to be something where somebody go a job goes overseas and it hurts an employee here in the US. We have plenty of work to do. Most people can't find enough people. So nobody's really going to lose their job. We don't see that, you know, they're taking whole operations and moving them over, at least not with the people we're working with. And then how does it help our employees? You know, the people that we have overseas. And then how does it help our clients' clients? And if it helps all four of those people, then we think that we have a really good fit. So that's really uh, what I do. And on a daily basis, I spend most of my time actually on people development, you know, looking for ways in that we could can grow and develop people, finding ways that uh, both professionally and personally. Come off mute. Bill, you, you said something in the beginning, and it was just sort of offhanded uh, remark, but you said when you were really young, you, you kind of came in and thought you knew everything, mm -hmm. what there was until you realized that you didn't. Mm -hmm. What struck me was, I think all of us, I don't care if you're, you know, I know, I know baby boy, anybody older than 30 or 40 or, or 50 thinks that everybody young doesn't know what they're doing. And, and it's like, wait till you grow up. But we're living in a time right now where everybody almost has to think like you did when you got that aha moment of we don't have any idea of what this future is going to look like or what we thought we knew that would lead us to success no longer does so that leads me back to a question with jody is what are you seeing as the biggest challenge within the accounting firms that you're working with and, and maybe 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 there's two questions there is the ones that reach out to you and then the ones that don't <laughs> what are the biggest challenges that you see yeah, so I think um, the the ability to adapt to change, the business model as a whole to adapt to change, right? So when you think about old school firms, they're run by partnership models. Um, these boomers want to retire, and they don't they they still don't have the next generation to come up, right? So they have private equity coming in. There's all these new disruptions happening at the business model level, and then we're we're we have a hard time finding staff, right? So like when we talk about um, who's the team going to be and where's automation going to fit. So um, those are the challenges of today, right? So you have this old archaic management model that doesn't work anymore. And then you have technology that's coming in and then you have not enough CPAs even graduating to do the work. And there's a huge opportunity to outsource a lot of stuff overseas and firms are looking at it and they're using it, but there's still so much work. You, the, the biggest problem for accounting, for accounting firms right now is they're profitable. So, and, and you say that kind of tongue in cheek, but what happens is, is when you're profitable, what happens? You're, you're kind of complacent and you're not willing to change because you look, look, I'm, I'm making money. What do I need to change for? But what's going to happen when they don't make money? Right. And so I think that's one of the things that we have to think about. And I think that's the the people who aren't coming to me are think are don't even realize that, you know, they're going to wake up one day and the world's going to have changed versus the people who are coming to me and are like, oh, how do we add automation? How do we, you know, how do we change this? What do we, what do we need to do to our business model inherently to get it ready for the future? 
versus the people who are like, well, I'm profitable today. I just assume I'm going to be profitable tomorrow. So, so there's a lot of, going back to what I said earlier, there's a lot of firms uh, that are out there that are thinking uh, that they know what they need to do, but they're basically, you know, adolescents or or young, young 20, you know, people living in a world that's rapidly changing. Uh, Bill, you, you work, and I know you can't, um, you know, I, well, I won't say I know you can't, but <laughs> you, you probably aren't, don't want, I, I don't want to ask you for the names of clients or, yeah, or firms yeah. that you're working with. So we don't want to share those, but I know you're working with a couple pretty innovative, advanced um, accounting firms. What what are you saying? I mean, when when you first reached out to them or they reached out to you, what what did that look like? What 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 solutions are they looking for? Is it strictly because, hey, we can't find anybody locally. So we're going to we need a staffing firm to find us people. And your people just happen to be anywhere around the world. I, I think that there's, uh, you know, that's that's a difficult question. I see a couple different things. One, they see I think a lot of people feel the peer pressure. I don't necessarily know that there's many people that are saying, hey, I want to outsource, right? They know they have a problem. They're looking for solutions. They're not necessarily saying, oh, this is the best solution. It's, it's a solution, right? And, and I'm not saying this. I think if they could find a solution they were comfortable with or they used more often that, that would work um, you, like regular hiring, they would do that, right? Most of the CPAs that I find is even the more innovative ones are still not that innovative, <laughs> Right, that you're still. I mean, maybe there. I'm sure there's some that are out there, but the ones that I'm talking to, typically, they're going to do it because they feel forced to more than they want to do it, and it's exciting for them to do it. There are a couple people that I have that I think that they find it exciting, um, and and many of the people that are finding it exciting are finding different benefits than other people that are kind of drag kicking and screaming. Uh, but, and that basically has to do with they found that they really like the interaction from overseas people and their, their younger staff really enjoy working with overseas people. And so that was a benefit they didn't really expect. So I think there's a lot of benefits that people don't really understand when they first come into it. But I find that a lot of people in the, even in the innovative space are still resistant to change. And I think that it I can't blame them. You know, they're profitable. They're, they're, they have this business model. Why should they change? And even so, the structure makes it very difficult for them to change. And so I think for going forward, for firms, especially large firms, they're going to have to kind of break off certain sections so that they can have some more innovative solutions, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's using AI. I even know some of the staff, the firms that I'm working with are even having challenges with AI because their IT departments are going, okay, we can't do that. We can't venture into that area. Even with, uh, I'm not sure, Jody, what you're finding on the ENO side, the, the insurance side, the insurance companies don't even want to let some of the uh, accounting firms start really delving into AI because of the risks that they see out there. We'll we'll feed that back up to you, Jody. I mean, what what's your response to that? Are you seeing the same thing, or you, you know, you you talked about even your own firm uh, being you know fairly advanced, being innovative, bringing in technologies, automating things. You know, where does that fit into this picture? Because we're we're talking about needing more CPAs, but that's a human body problem. So, but so automation, I think yeah. 
I think the thing that CPAs don't see that they don't realize is that their competition is not the firm next door. It's not the firm across the country. It's a technology company that's coming in with a different way of doing business and an Amazon-like way, we'll call it. And they are bringing in new tools and new technologies to serve customers better. And most, now, again, there's certain amount of audit that has to be done by bigger firms. But the majority of work that's done in firms today is not uh, relevant to the attest faction or to, um, to audit, right? So if you get rid of the audit piece and you look at all the other work that accounting firms today do, most of it can be done by non-accounting professionals and just have a little bit of accounting oversight on it. And all that work is now, um, new business models are coming in to do that work, whether it be FinTech that's going to come in, whether it be startups that have large funding rounds, um, whether it be um, people like um, Rocket Lawyer or LegalZoom who are now doing accounting and tax services who have tech in their DNA, right? So this business model of the accounting firm is it, it's being completely disrupted and changed. And so that's, they're not competing with, with other accountants. They're competing with businesses who are running things differently and private equity. Even if you look at all the private equity and the money coming into the space, the way private equity runs a business is very different the way than a way a traditional CPA firm or partner would run a business. And there's a lot more expectations and accountability. And it, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think we have to adapt to the way the world has changed and figure out where we fit in it. Because ultimately, if these new business models serve the customer better, then that's really good, right? And accountants will find jobs wherever. They're always going to find a job. Doesn't matter if an accountant works for a partner who's a CPA or a if an accountant works for a CEO who runs uh, an accounting practice like more of a business versus um, an accounting firm or a professional services firm. And I think that's the disruption that people don't realize is, is coming. And, and when you pull all that data together and you look at it from a tech focus, now you have so many other opportunities even to serve your clients better because you can look at that benchmarking. You can look across the board. And that's what a lot of the new accounting startups are doing is they're giving insight to the data versus and I'll say deep insight versus just a professional services firm giving insight because they have hundreds and thousands of pieces of data to compare it to. And to me, again, that's the cool stuff. If you're really an accounting geek, you want to geek out in that data and figure out how to use that data to serve your client better, not worry about how it was collected. So I think that's the exciting stuff. So that seems to take going back to what we talked about uh, in the beginning when I talked about adaptability, which is where I've spent the last number of years is is not necessarily looking at different ways to re to find people to resource to to, rem to work remotely it almost seems we're stuck in the wrong paradigm versus adapting to the way accounting will be what will that look like and and how do people fit into that model rather than saying we need better ways to find more people Am, am I, I correct? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill, I mean, that's that's so, your world. I mean, am I blowing I, up your yeah, business no, model? I, <laughs> no, I. So what I would say is, is think of a couple different ways. Like, 
I, I think we're limited by linear thinking. I think even like Stephen Kotler and you had, uh, uh, he was on, you know, we are very linear thinking people. So we're often thinking, okay, how do we do this 10% better? Okay, we, we need to, we need to, we have 10% more work to do next year. How are we going to do that? So we think very linearly, okay, we'll just hire 10% more people. Okay, or we'll make them work a little bit harder. We need to be thinking in a much more um, exponential way to give us new solutions. Whether that's outsourcing or not, I don't really care, you know, from my perspective, like you're talking about, how are we going to do that differently? And so we say, is if I had to double my output next year or triple my output put what would that look like what would i have to do well i can't keep doing what i'm doing okay we're going to have to go to technology we're going to have to maybe use a combination of efforts to do that um you know would i change the the type of work that i do i even go to books like manufacturing I really encourage people to be reading out there i don't know if you've ever read a book called the goal and it's about basically the theory of constraints. So what is the constraint within the industry currently? And, you know, Jody might have, you know, have a better idea, but right now it seems like everybody's saying is, oh, it's CPAs. That could be, that maybe not. No, maybe it's just a matter of getting the work out. It doesn't have to be the CPA per se. Almost anybody, even a non-financial person might be able to do that work. So really need to dig in to understand what we think we know is probably not the reality of what the situation is really on the ground, you know, and everybody takes the first of all, well, we just need more CPAs. Well, that's a very simple answer and that might work to solve the problem, but we're probably not going to be able to do that. So let's put that out of our head and let's try to really think a little bit deeper about the problem to say is what is the actual bottleneck? And then once we understand what the bottleneck is, then we can understand what the possible solutions would be. And I try to look at Rather than say, this is what the, the future is going to look like, I try to find out like three or four different future possibilities and say, is there something that I could do that would help me in either one of those situations? Um, that would be an example um, of something that I'm, I'm constantly looking at. It's also one of the reasons that I don't just do remote staffing. We're also looking at office automation. So I have an office automation division where we're doing lots of no code work, uh, no code or low code work to help uh, smaller companies to do automation in addition to providing the labor because we don't want to just be quote unquote cheap labor. We want to be an excellent solution to get the work done, whether that's through automation or whether that's through outsourcing. Two of those disruptors uh, or, or solutions could be AI. Obviously, we talked a little bit about that. When we come back from our break, we'll talk more. And then there's blockchain. Is how disruptive is that going to be? Because I know people think that that's not going to happen. It's going away. And and when the price of of uh, Bitcoin, you know, collapsed a couple of months ago for the last year, everybody said, see, it wasn't going to work. And now that it's doubled again and it's back up, it's coming back on the horizon and some of these things just never go away. Uh, but we are, you are listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We are talking about the future of accounting, but essentially since every, every business, every business that, that is in business uses accounting in some way or should be using accounting <laughs> or has an accounting function in some way, it affects everybody. Uh, and we all need to, we all need CPAs and accountings, accountants uh, to be able to, to help us along that path. So it affects everybody who's listening, uh, everybody in business and anybody thinking about what the future of work is going to look like. Uh, we will be right back in 60 seconds. Uh, please stay tuned and we will continue this conversation with Jody Paydar and Bill Keller about the future of accounting. Are your employees feeling stuck and just showing up for a paycheck? 
Is your workforce working harder to get back to normal than adapting to the future? It's time to help them break their addiction to certainty and develop a growth mindset. Developed by one of the world's top-rated future of work thought leaders, AQ Plus Mindset is a powerful tool to help your employees embrace change, adapt faster, and grow on the job. Conveniently delivered to any smartphone or laptop and easy to digest 5 to 10 minute lessons. Managers can sit back and watch employee attitude shift towards growth and innovation in just 30 days. Are you ready to help your employees thrive in this ever-changing, never-normal world? Encourage them to show more grit, resilience, adaptability, and unlock their potential? The journey to a growth-filled future starts with a growth mindset. Visit aqplusmindset.com or call 484-373-4300. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're talking about the future of accounting, where uh, balance sheets meet the bleeding edge, which was our subtitle for, for this. Uh, and we certainly are at the bleeding edge. Uh, Jody, I, I don't want to, to pass this by and, and get toward the end and not be able to talk about it a little bit, because I think this fits into that conversation. Um, you have a new book coming out, The Radical uh, radical Pricing. Um, where, where does that fit into this uh, future of accounting? So it's important to think about pricing as kind of the whole of your firm, because I think too many times, if you think about traditional firms, it's the billable hour. You know, I work so many hours and to create some sort of deliverable, and that's what I charge for it. Now, there's a lot more involved in pricing, but ultimately pricing affects holistically your whole business model. And I think the reason firms have been so stuck and being afraid of change um, is because their pricing model has not allowed them to do it. So when you think about something taking two minutes, how do you build two minutes? Well, that was the cloud. Now think about something being done with AI. Well, how do you build a negative second, right? So <laughs> you have to change your pricing model because fundamentally that's going to change everything that happens behind the scenes in your firm. And it means that you have to productize your services a lot more. So you have to get really tight on what it is you do, how you do it. And again, it's kind of taking that technology look towards delivering services. And yes, there's always going to be a little bit of customization on top of it. But, you know, the majority of what you sell should be repeatable and you should be able to deliver it within a certain amount and you should know what your price is. So it always cracks me up when you say accountants will be like, well, I won't know what to charge. And I was like, every other business has figured out how to put a price on something. Why accountants can't figure it out is beyond me. And so my book is really kind of, pricing is one piece of it, but then how do you get your process organized behind the scenes? How do you get um, your your packaging and all the other things that go with it that kind of help you change your business model? And that was the stuff, again, that I pioneered years ago. And it's just kind of continued to evolve because we live in a different world today. It's not like I'm sitting there with a pencil and paper, paper doing all this work to get it out the door. And if you think about what prevents innovation, if you're getting charged by how long it takes you to do something, why on earth would you want to automate it? You wouldn't, right? Like it doesn't make sense. So that's why we have to look at a new way of pricing as we adopt automation and all these other things so that we truly get paid for the value that we deliver and not just the inputs to get it out. 
Jody, I, I had I had a smile, and and this is thirty years since I've been out of dentistry, so it's 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 a long, long time. But it took me right back to I remember, um, you know, patients would come in, and and I remember having this conversation with one of my colleagues who was an oral surgeon, and people would come in and and complain. They said you charged me like, you know, the dentist down the street charges less money, um, and it took him an hour to do it. And I said, well, if you'd like to come back in, I can charge you. I'll charge. I'll, I'll just double the time it takes me to get it done. I mean, where efficiency and automation and skill, people want to base it on time. It's like because that's how they get paid. I mean, our whole pay system, our reimbursement system is you get paid an hour, whether you do a lot of work or, or no work or doesn't show up at all. And sometimes you get paid for staying home. Um, so. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. And we we always look to accountants, you know, to kind of help us with that. Uh, and yet their whole system was based on a similar model of, 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 of billable hours. Bill, within that same, you know, again, uh, 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 the it's a it's a different it's a different business model, which is what we're talking about. I know people usually talk about innovation or think about innovation in terms of you know, gadgets and widgets and, and, and maybe software, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's a shift in mindset. It's a shift in, in the model itself. I want to make sure we cover this topic um, because I've talked about it earlier, but it is the elephant in the room is where do you see AI and blockchain kind of fitting into this? Is, is there conversation clients are having you know, now, um, how does it see it uh, impacting your business, um, your business model or, or the way that you conduct business? So there's a couple of things that I'm seeing that, again, I talked about earlier about the, the various possibilities. I don't know about you, even with AI and everything, my workload doesn't seem to change a whole lot, right? It's always been, we're always busy. So the question is, is if, if AI and technology comes in, are we going to get to the point where we only have to work 20 hours a week? I, I don't, you would think that, right? If you look at what the productivity gain should be, well, then we should drop down in the number of hours that we need to be there. History would say that's probably not going to happen. So, you know, I, I think that I see we're still going to need, have this need for people in the future, or at least for the foreseeable future. I still see there's, you know, the future is already here. I think maybe one of your people uh, that you had on, the future is already here, but it's it's not evenly distributed, right? So you probably see this, Jody, all the time in, in different firms, right? The few, They're already doing, you know, things with AI. They already have automation, but you go right next door to another firm and they're like, oh yeah, we're still using, uh, you know, QuickBooks desktop. And you're like, oh my gosh, how's that possible, right? And so, the future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So I still see this ramp up time. The only that it's until it really gets distributed across the board. But you know, I do. It, it is a worry of mine that you know that I'm going to have need less people, which is one of the reasons that I'm also working on the automation side. So again, I saw these possible futures and say automation is one of them that's going to be here. I don't think that's going away. So I need to be working on that as well. And it's. It goes back to philosophy and mindset. That's a nice mindset. Mindset change. Um, there was a, you know, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he had, uh, 
revisionist history. He had a thing about, I think it was an episode called The Big Man Can't Shoot about Will Chamberlain. But he talks about different sports and how basketball is basically a, a strong link sport where basically one player can make a significant difference on the team. Okay, and that one player can make an outsized difference as opposed to soccer, which a weak link team. And what that means is, is I think we need to understand the game we're playing. Right. If AI is going to come in and just make the top even stronger and that propels us forward, is that the game we're playing? Or are we playing a weak link uh, sport where basically we need to use AI to make the bottom people stronger? And by making them stronger, we'll make the whole team stronger. And I think that's really what mm -hmm. firms need to kind of understand is what game they're playing. And the problem comes in is I think that there's multiple games playing being played within an individual business. You know, you might have different business units that are working on different areas. And so that's where it becomes more complex and the analogy starts to break down. But I think really understanding what type of game you're playing will help you to determine your strategy moving forward using AI. Yeah, I, I, I love that. that. That's a great. Yeah, no, that's a great way to look at it. I love that uh, strong link, weak link, because uh, if you asked anybody five years ago, which professions, which skills, which occupations were the most threatened by AI and technology and automation, it was always the lower skilled blue collar jobs. Yeah. Not anymore. The biggest threat you know, especially with ChatGPT and the advance of that, now that it's in, in the hands of uh, AIs in the hands of everybody, is now uh, physicians, accountants, um, you know, hands, dentists are probably still hand, a, a bit hands-on, but basically uh, medical, a lot of people in healthcare, uh, attorneys, uh, accountants, uh, finance, a lot of these secure jobs. But I also go back to the one thing, and then I'll come back to you, Jody. Um, is the two third when I said two thirds of all jobs will be one third automated? That means one third of the jobs probably aren't going to be immediately affected, which is okay. You just have to figure out which which are you a weak link or a strong link uh, in that. Um, but that didn't mean that you can go home after twenty five hours just because one third of your work was automated. What it meant was that you were going to have to learn new skills to be able to continue to get have a job. So if one third of those jobs is you needed new skills, which is a lot of people are resistant to that because I'm only 10 years away from retirement. I'm too old to learn how to do that. Um, that has now uh, gone out the window. Jody, um, the final question is going to come to you. And then we got a couple other things to do to wrap up here. I want to go back to that AI question, AI and, and or blockchain. Uh, how are you seeing that impact kind of the future of, of what you're doing and what you're leading people to? So I, I think it's impacting them every day. I, I think that there's really cool AI tools coming out. And I think people think, oh, I have to go somewhere to do AI. In another two years, AI will be built into the tools we already use today. It already is. So Yeah. So they don't even have I mean, to worry yeah, about some, going out. Yeah. I, I teach an innovation and entrepreneur class. And I asked for examples of where I, AI was, you know, what how they were using it. And somebody said, oh, Spotify. It, right. it helps me. It, it helps me identify music that I like. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so I think that makes it a lot less scary when you realize it's just going to be part of the tools that we already use, and the really good AI is going to be hyper specific to the job that it's trying to complete versus this general AI, which is you know not a, as as relevant to whatever. I think the the big thing is though is when you think about AI, 
it somehow gets you 85% of the way there. So it's great for people who have experience and know the 15% that they should be like double checking and figuring out. But what do you do for that new hire who doesn't have the context of what the AI brings up and doesn't know how to double check that AI to see that it's getting. So I think we're going to have to do a lot more um, a training for the next gen to kind of transfer that knowledge and transfer it in a different way of that experience. Cause we're going to have to bring our next generation professionals up to speed a lot faster than I was brought up to speed, right? We're going to have to, to transfer that experience and figure out how to transfer the human experience to the next gen faster. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, because we are running out of time. Um, blockchain, do you, is there any conversation going on with that within, with, with your clients, Jody? Um, not really, because it's kind of underlying a lot of things. So the blockchain, the blockchain, a lot of times is kind of the the steps, and it kind of keeps everything in line under it. But you know, not very many people are talking about it anymore. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have you back, and we'll we'll see where that is <laughs> in a year or two, right? So we just have a few minutes, and I want to be able to make sure we get our lightning round in because this is the fun part. So Jody, since we're having that conversation, I'm going to start with you. What what's your favorite band or favorite music? So uh, how could I say like we we got the whole Taylor Swift thing going on? So I think <laughs> I, the whole internet is like enamored with Taylor Swift and Travis. So that yeah. that's where what, I'm at. Well, what, what what's your favorite? Where where do you go when 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 somebody comes out? Who's you? Is it Taylor Swift or is it yeah. someone else? It, yeah. it, it's Taylor Swift. It's pop. You're yeah. swept up by the moment, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bill, same question to you. What's your oh. favorite band music? I have a very eclectic mix. If you look on my, uh, I, I listen to almost everything on YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I have anything from mariachi bands to, uh, you know, Ed Sheeran to classical. Uh, it's just kind of all over the board, whatever is striking my fancy at the moment. But most of the time right now, I'm listening to, to children's songs because I have a two-year-old daughter. And so uh, most of them are, um, uh, you know, something about a horse running around the mountains or something like that. Yeah. So okay. Okay. I'm going to come back. Yeah, I'm going to come back to you for one more question. <laughs> What's something that people get wrong about you? About me? Or yeah. were you talking to Joe? Yeah, no, about you. <laughs> oh, that's a good, what, what did people get wrong about me? Um, I, I think that they probably think that, I'm if the, I'm all business, I'm very intense, but I have a passion for people. And I think that that passion sometimes probably does not come across in the way that I would like it to come across. It, it is an intensity that most people probably mistake for, uh, I don't know if they'd say anger or not just, but I just, I have this passion for people. I want to share this information. I want to help them. I want them to move forward and they're often like, whoa, okay, and they step back. So I think that that's the, my intensity is probably mistaken for something other than it's meant to be, which is I want you to do well. So yeah. And Jody, what, I'm going to switch the question on you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? If I were a car, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, probably a Jeep. Just like, um, because I, I think I like to go over the bumps and everything. I, I mean, like I'm, I'm ready to go through it. Like, not just like, I don't want a smooth ride. Somehow I always find all the things to go in and around and above. And yeah. So a, a, tr a true disruptor, a true <laughs> yeah. innovator. So uh, Jody, what's, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Um, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just Jody Paydar. 
I, just connect to me on LinkedIn. Okay. And Bill, what's the best way for people same, to, get, to reach out? Same to thing. Uh, you can look uh, at LinkedIn at Bill Keller. Uh, also on Staffing Global and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel there where my podcast. You can see my podcast or on GGG Unleashed. So uh, look at uh, look it up there. And make sure uh, I neglected to mention that earlier, but uh, Bill does a great podcast, and we talk. About, he talks about this uh, every month. Uh, so please go up to GGG Unleashed. Uh, you can also find that on the, the Geek Skeezes and Googleization podcast. Uh, I want to thank you, both of you. Uh, what a fun conversation. Love to have both of you back. Uh, we, we, did, we barely scratched the surface on, on this uh, generally in business, but uh, we'll have you back and continue the conversation uh, for sure. Please reach out to uh, Jody uh, on LinkedIn uh, or uh, and make sure when the book comes out. When, how soon is the book coming out, Jody? Um, it should be out fairly soon. Pre-orders okay. are like pretty soon. I'll have the link. So Okay. So yeah. So watch for the radical CPA uh, and Bill, uh, check out staffingdifferent.com and especially the GGG Unleashed. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you haven't joined us yet, please do. It's free to join. Just go to googleizationnation.com. Uh, I want to ex uh, extend a special thank you to our guests uh, today, Bill Keller and Jody Paydar and all our listeners for turning in, tuning in. Uh, if you haven't subscribed on your favorite podcast platform yet, please do so and leave us a review. And until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. Thanks for watching Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. Be sure to listen to the podcast and follow us on YouTube. This show was produced and edited by Hilton Productions.